0: Five million people amidst the war zone are creating a new society based on principles that are dear to the hearts of many radicals in Australia. Welcome to ANIS, the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria, formerly known as Rojava. This is a ten-part series of conversations with Haval Farat. Haval and friends from a civil diplomacy centre in the city of Kwameezlo. These conversations provide insight into how they are organising their society, how they are making decisions and how they are defending their zone from aggression from some of the most powerful military empires on the planet. We are confident you will find this series exceptionally interesting, but more importantly, it is the type of news we need today in order to ensure that here in Australia, we continue to act up to create that new society based on egalitarian principles
1: in our heart.
0: Well, here we are, part four of our foray into the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria. We're holding a uh, conversation with uh, uh, Hervel Tekershin from a civil diplomacy centre in that region. Hello, how are you?
2: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Good, I understand that you've been doing a bit of physical work lately. Must be a bit of a change for a English city slicker.
2: Yeah, it's been quite a shock. My hands, actually, <laughs> my, my very soft hands from years of <laughs> work in, in Europe and now have calluses on them from digging irrigation and digging holes to put trees in, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Now, it's good to see that uh, you're doing a bit of physical work, but um, today we're doing a little bit of intellectual work because you're raising the exceptionally important topic of how the old and new coexist and coalesce in a uh, revolutionary society.
2: Yeah. um, It's a reality of revolution that needs to be examined more because... um, I think, you know, I had this idea as well before I started, and a lot of people have this idea, you have a revolution, then the new society is in place, everything's changed, and you go forward with the new society. And, of course, that's not that's not reality. Um, what happens is you have a revolution, and, of course, the old society continues. Um, And even if it's a very authoritarian top down revolution, still, it's it's a considerable challenge, not just the physical side, but the the cultural side as well. And the emotional side is still continuing. And there's a huge amount of uh different interpretations of what the new revoli- revolutionary ideology is. There's a huge amount of variety of people about whether, whether or not they agree with the revolution as well. So it's, it's not this uniform system that ubiquitously takes over and, and replaces. So let's take here for an example, um, there are enormous – corporations here still. For example, the phone company Suryatel is an enormous corporation with um, uh, workers' unions. Um vast number of men still have more than one wife, which technically is against the law. Um, there are still beggars in the street. There are still an enormous amount of capitalist enterprise happening. And by capitalist enterprise, I don't just mean free market. I mean people who intentionally to make Intentionally want to make large amounts of profit, bringing cars into the country, of course, and taking advantage of the, the very um, favorable tax situation. Um, a lot of the old metaphysical and physical institutions are still there now. Also, the landlords are still here. There's an enormous number of landlords. Um, there's an enormous amount of rent situations. Um huge amounts of this is still in place and that's after 10 years as well so i mean what is the reality with things uh, other revolutions have expropriated property um so for example uh correct me if i'm wrong but cuba immediately passed a law limiting the maximum land ownership to a thousand acres which is quite a large amount actually um You you look at the um, Chinese Revolution, for example. This was very interesting, the Chinese Revolution, because I think they were the first revolution that actually tried to get the landlords to stay Mm. and tried to convince them that they weren't going to be attacked, that there were going to be changes, but um, they would continue to maintain a lot of their life. So here, it's gone much further in that direction. The revolution rents its properties from landlords. Um, we all use Syriatel, which is a corporate telephone provider.
0: Now, Syriatel, just um, just to clarify, does that is that active in the rest of Syria or just the autonomous um, zone? All of Syria. All of Syria. So you're actually using
2: the same telephone network and the same infrastructure absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. um and if you go downtown in Kamishlo, which is probably the strongest city of the revolution in terms of it being very calm and quiet with no violence with uh, an enormous amount of people uh being very favorable towards the revolution of all ethnicities if you go downtown there are regime areas and heval areas. Heval is is the revolution. It means friend. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the revolutionary cadre, as I said before, are called the friends, the Hevals. So they're Hevals areas and regime areas. Um, and you have to be very careful, of course, especially as a foreigner. If you stray into a Syrian regime area, you'll end up in jail for 10 years with a $20,000 fine for not having a visa. So you have to really know where they are. And sometimes they're not even marked. But the, the Suryatel offices mm-hmm. are there in the regime area, you know. Well, so are, there, um, are, there,
0: uh, are there any other major corporations, Syrian corporations or outside corporations, which provide essential services in, in the autonomous zone?
2: Absolutely, yes. Uh, um, I was given, in my education, which was 40 days from um, the revolutionary teachers, uh, there was a session on economy And they went through some of this. I can't remember the actual list of corporations, but yes, certainly there are still a lot of very much capitalist corporate bodies providing infrastructure. The friends have taken over. Well, I say taken over. This is what I want to explain. Mm. They have taken over quite a lot of economy um, and the way they've done it is very interesting because they haven 't expropriated they took control of the oil as we talked about last time, so the the oil was all going through Rumelan, the regime left the hevals arrived, and without any violence, all of the oil was still going through that town and then it just landed in the hands of the hevals. The rest of the economy let 's have a look at that so about two or three months ago, I got a call uh i'm also a uh an i t expert i've been working in i t for thirty years mm-hmm. and so I got a call that um mm, this organization it was an engineering firm they wanted to install an open source accounting system so I trundled down there um and the first wonderful thing that was there of course, was that there were some bright eyed women there. Um, fresh out of Rojava University with degrees in technology and open source. And they were sitting there waiting for me. And it's it's such an exciting thing to see women doing that with full of confidence and full mm. of excitement, you know. And it's a beautiful thing in the Middle East to see that really, really happening. So they were there. But this was a private company. It was a private company engineering, firm, civil engineering. Firm. And... Um, There were there were guns and grenades in the corner. Um, There was a range of four by four pickups outside. And they had joined the revolution. Now, what that means is that some friends of, of the friends group had come along and said, there's a revolution. This this is the ideology. Do you want to join? And this engineering firm said, yes. Now, what does that mean in practice? What it means is that all the people working at that engineering firm, their families start getting veg boxes every every few days. They write down whatever they need, and it comes from chocolate spread to another ammunition pack to clothes. Anything they need comes from very sort of uh, – mm, Differently organised logistics centres around Denis, mm-hmm. um, but it's done through friends of friends normally, and they accountants arrive, which was why I was there. Accountants arrive because the revolution said that accounting is a cold thing, and the creativity is a warm thing. So that when when uh, a group joins the revolution, uh, all of their accounting needs are taken care of. They don't need money internally. Because they have everything they need. It's provided to them by every other revolutionary groups, you know, food and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but when they, when they have relationships outside of the revolution, importing, exporting groups, private companies that are not in the revolution, obviously then there's money involved. So the accounting people, uh, look at all that and handle that for them. So they don't have to be bored by it, basically, (laughs) because the revolution wants people to enjoy the creativity. And so then that, and it's a beautiful, beautiful life because there's no money in it. I haven't seen money for a year and a half. Mm. Um, so these, the,
0: let's just, just go back one step just to clarify. So these mutual aid centers or cooperatives, whatever you want to call them, um, they're, they're, these logistics centers, they're controlled by the, the friends,
2: are they? Well, this is, yeah, this is another interesting thing that <clears throat> reminds us of the fact that this is a peer-to-peer revolution. Mm-hmm. So some, the, the logistic centers are there. They're all uh separately organized. It's not a homogenous thing. It's just because one group of friends decided to start importing food and try and provide it to other groups and they all do it differently and you get logistics if you have a friend of a friend in a group that's done that and you can ask them and you can go there and they'll say oh who are you and you'll establish a friendship and they will say let us provide you with logistics but they're all different right. and this, this is where we see that this revolution is not a top down, objective, homogenous system model creator. It's a bottom up, highly uh, creative, dynamic, diverse, heterogeneous system. Mm-hmm. So, for example, that again, to, to, to repeat, um, one of the friends group early on in the revolution, they decided that people need cars. So they just went and bought thousands of, of the same car. And tried to give them to other groups that said that they were also trying to do things in the revolution, but it's very intimate. And mm. so, so this, 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 this,
0: this money to buy the cars that's from the oil revenue, which the friends control. Is that correct? Yes, yes it is. Yes. Right. Okay. Although is not,
2: good? not uniformly either. No, though. So, for example, the Civil mm-hmm. Diplomacy Center attracts private capital.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what, what, why would a, Private capital be involved in a civil diplomacy centre?
2: Well, because again, there's been no expropriation. The rich people here have not had their wealth taken away. Mm. Um, they're living in a revolution and communities which are talking to them about it. Right. Because it's not, it's not cool to be very rich when there are beggars on the street. Mm. But this revolution trusts humans to have a moral capacity that might take a while to kick in, but whenever someone is rich, the first thing they'll start saying is trying to justify it. In Europe, you don't have to justify being rich. Here, you do. do. Because, you know, the people will be confused as why you would be doing such an unfriendly thing. So wherever you go, you're forced, if you're a rich person, well, I suppose I am, of course, as well. I don't suppose I am a rich person. Um, in comparison to the people here, Um, you, you immediately know that you're doing something that is unfriendly. So you start to explain it. And often those explanations come in the way that you're actually redistributing your wealth and the things that you're doing with that money. And, of course, it's not like that. Every rich person is doing that. There are rich people here still who have no intention of adopting a new ideology. There is the old sheikh system what's that Cheikh. what's that sheikh is kurdish for sheikh mm-hmm. these are the very rich people in the middle east now they're not just rich they have religious significance as well so they come to uh um significant community events like marriages uh when you when you take a fiance. I've forgotten one. When you get engaged, sorry, that is. And they uh, are the sort of religious figure that uh validates that. So they have, they, they're not just rich, and they have these enormous mansions, always enormous mansions, and everyone around them is very, very materially poor in comparison. But some of those people also give their obedience to the sheikh. You know, it's the old feudal system, basically. Now, these sheikhs, quite often have harems um which is an utterly hideous concept you know i've i've actually met a woman who was in one of these harems and um it was just harrowing her stories Mm um and it's it it's taken her years to get over the psychological damage that that caused her she's doing quite well now thankfully um so i mean these a lot of these sheikhs are a form of evil that is is would would you know uh, really really upset a lot of us and especially in a in a women's revolution now they haven't expropriated their houses in fact they're renting some of the houses from some of them and we see again that this revolution takes the materially non-aggressive path even in these hideous situations and actually believes that through community and social intelligence it can change these people not all the time it does it does come in and use violence to solve situations as well Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to women being hurt so so so, so there's there's, there's,
0: this this when you talk about feudal relationships are you really talking about You know, 15th century feudalism still exists within this region. Mm. And so those people who are under that uh, bondage, is there ability for them to escape? Or if
2: they left, would they be punished? There is an ability for them to escape, especially if they're women. So the village I'm in now Mm -hmm. has, it's renowned for having a lot of ISIS Mafia, um, um, Sheikh religious groups, um, and uh, other uh, criminal groups. Um, there's a lot of these people here. Um, and in fact there's there's a person we know who has two wives and they're not allowed out of the house. Now also here is Congress star Congress star is the one of the very, very strong original women's groups, and they have offices everywhere. And any woman can, of course, go into that office and declare their situation and they will be protected. Um, But as we both know, as the listeners will also be very well aware of, just because they can do that, doesn't actually mean that they can That's do right. that physically, right. emotionally, mm. um, because of the ideas that have been forced into their own minds, their denial about what they're going through. Their situation is not that simple. And Congress Star is women, of course. So, this, these, because they're women, unlike myself, they have a real emotional understanding of what the oppression is. And so, the steps that they take, which can be quite aggressive sometimes, Quite, they're always emotionally intelligent. They're always very capable of predicting what the social organism will do as a result of what they do. They do proactively go in and try to help women.
0: So, so over the last, so over the last
2: decade,
0: has the influence of these traditional structures, which still exist, have they waned during this period?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, a massive, on a massive... That's
0: what I want you to explain, that the fact that they, although they're there, they're not. maybe they're not as influential or as powerful as they once were.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's an enormous... So firstly, mm. when you meet the men here, um, whilst there's variety, it, it seems to me that the men have really gotten on board with this involvement of women in a huge way. And this isn't, you know, we're always tempted to think this is a Kurdish, sorry, I, I keep saying it's a Kurdish revolution from time to time. It isn't anymore. It's probably a, we haven't done the census, but it's probably a majority Arab revolution. And now you've got thousands of Arabs, Arab men, uh joining the revolution and wholeheartedly um adjusting their own dominant male relationships. In line with the concept of genealogy, the science of women, uh, and the idea that women should be fully involved in ideologically developing the revolution, you know, so and physically taking part in in all of the various leadership hierarchies. Mm. So, I mean, the change has been massive. Five years ago, Al Raqqa was liberated, which was women being led around with chains around their necks, and and now women are walking by themselves in European clothing with their hair out, in per- um, not perfect safety. There are still ISIS sleepers groups, but yes, there has been a massive change from where we were
0: 10 years ago right, to where okay. we are now. Well, that's, uh, I think it's important listeners understand that. We're not talking about a static situation, but we're talking about a dynamic situation. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and no, I mean the, the results of this trying to convince... You're trying to convince the people you disagree with to emotionally change and stop hurting other people. Taking that tact has had an incredible viral effect. So when when the man is brought into the little room because he's been hitting his wife, for example, and there are strong women there, they don't just try to make him stop. They try to make him understand why it's emotionally wrong to do that. And that attitude has gone viral because then you've got you know when you achieve it that that man then becomes the biggest champion of women rights in their own community you know and that's this, this powerful effect that I think is happening and definitely the results of it <laughs>
1: Oh, I ran, I ran, I ran, I I ran, I ran, ای دامو چه و بالکلی سبحانی نه گریه 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 حتی یارکی به زمانش دب دوسته وای قلب دل و بچه مالو Hey, come in here. Hey, yeah yeah, hey, hey. We're to have a Yeah of fun. Hey,
3: Of ve keçkuke übeş no bolşitlové bişenge hay emalan barker keryu تم قدر <تصفيق> آبم بچم توافق خالق <تصفيق> های های le dost ko ji be re maya
1: vida hairaan hairaan jaram ko tan A high run in the Jarra Mugutanina sent the Aya. as A مگویا <Sings> که وي بابا ابني كي على مهمل سرته باللواه ذول مجني بدلا ايلا من اي 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 اي
3: وای درو به گچ کوکی ات نان پیچ we believe to best the body and the the jet of Hey, What other what are the
0: cultural changes could you basically outline for people? What it was like, say, before uh, the, this revolutionary period, and the differences now as far as cultural and religious influences are concerned?
2: Yeah, so I wasn't here, of course. No, I no, no. But ov- obviously,
0: you had your forty days <laughs> <laughs> and forty nights. So obviously, <laughs> well, forty you, days, yeah. you, you forty nights. Yeah, you would have learnt uh, a little bit about the past.
2: Yeah. So um, the biggest change is what we've been talking about. It's about the role of women and the socially constructed concept of what a woman is Mm -hmm. and what a woman's role is. Mm -hmm. So those those are massive cultural changes. Um, So before the revolution, the area of North Syria was uh, very highly oppressed. It was only allowed to grow wheat. People, especially the Kurdish, were not allowed to take. Positions in government administration. What I'm saying is they were excluded from Positivism, they still had an angry culture uh, a village mentality an intimate Democratic uh, Huge love to the other people in your community culture and it was very very deep and strong uh, the Turkish uh, government in backward which is East Turkey, North Kurdistan, they were intentionally moving the Kurdish people out of the villages violently and moving them into cities with the stated intention of breaking their village culture and bringing bringing them fully into city positivism. And the book I was reading on this um, was saying that the Turkish authorities were very angry because as soon as the, the Kurdish people were revi- arriving in the city, they would treat the neighborhood like a village. And, uh, and thus their culture was not being broken. So this, this, this culture of intimate, local, emotionally intelligent, subjective organic decision making in a village setting was here already it mm-hmm. hasn't been created by the revolution it was already there it's just that women are very highly involved in that in validating it and using their own intimate emotional intelligence as part of that so that hasn't changed that culture was here um the culture of localized economy was very much here as well. The culture of mending things instead of buying things new was very much here already. The culture of not having anything in your house except people. So empty rooms with mats around the edge and loads of people sitting in on the all. You know, the community swarms in and out of each other's houses without asking for an invite every evening. Um, and the rich people's houses are completely devoid of things as well. The children sit there with no material things to play with and that they grow up with only people around them to to engage them no material thing and i have to say the children here are well fantastic i mean they're, they're so calm they're so nice they're so attentive they're not and i'm, I'm at the moment i'm developing um, wild theories about why this might be the case in relation to them growing up in uh, without any things around them. Um, so, yeah, the, the, um, these elements of the culture were certainly already here and are going very, very strong here.
0: Yeah, so when you talk about the old and the new coexisting and possibly coalescing at some future date, is there any shift regarding the role religion people plays plays in people's lives?
2: Yeah, I have a few funny stories here. Um, so I touched down in Suleimania when I came here one and a half years ago. A um, little bit scared on the aeroplane, I'll admit, when it suddenly said we're touching down in Iraq now. I was like, oh, my God. Um, but anyway, I went straight out into the street from the hotel and I sat in the first tea room which had long benches so everyone's sitting next to each other it's not separate tables but long benches so you sit down and there's just an enormous amount of activity um and I was sitting opposite a Muslim a Christian someone without religion this sounds uh, like one of the, this out. sounds like one of those <laughs>
0: jokes <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> keep going keep going
2: uh, <laughs> uh the punchline is that um the first thing they, they said that they were roughly translating on on the Google Translate is that religion here is not a problem. Um and There was a general, an Iraqi general sitting opposite me who started showing him in his general uniform with his troops as well. That was quite a surprise, just sitting in the tea room. And we see that those divisions are not strong here either. So, um, but yeah, they were. And this has happened again and again. That As soon as you meet someone, one of the first things they say is that religion is not a problem. And I went to, I quite often just go into communities and just sit down with people and talk to them because I'm here to understand So About three months ago, I went into this um, mechanics yard, and there were maybe 10 old men sitting there. Again, divisions, gender divisions, probably needs to be talked about as well. Um, but 10 old men sitting there. And I sit down, and the, the main one he's maybe 60 years old, white hair. He He pulls out a knife. And looks at me with his huge fiery eyes and says i'm a muslim (laughs) "Um." and then he points to his friend and says he's a christian and he puts his the knife to his own throat and says why why would i do this what's the problem and puts the knife away thankfully but the point he was making is why would religion create violence here it's not competitive. No one's fighting over whose religion is biggest or whose religion is most valid. Uh, and my actual, my attitudes, I was very anti-religious when I was in Europe, but now I find it quite a sweet thing. Plus because I've come to understand from this revolution as well, the idea that I'm rational is false. Um, and the idea that the religious person is rational, is 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 false. None of us are actually rational. Um, what what, my, my, what
0: what do you mean by rational?
2: The idea that the 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 idea that the ideas in my head mm. make sense. I know that's not true now. Uh, I'm fifty years old. Uh, I've been going through different ways, as many of us, uh, I'm sure. Many of your listeners this has as well of trying to do something about capitalism and time and time again I've suddenly realized that all of my understandings of it and what solutions are just don't make any sense at all and coming to this revolution which we remember had a major ideological change only six years before it went into revolution um, and thus has a different attitude towards dogmatic ideology a completely different attitude um, i've realized coming here that oh my god the i was a nice person in europe but my the the ideas that i had were entirely not making any sense and i've i've had to change every it's ripped apart every idea that i've had this revolution and i've had to recreate it entirely and i'm happy that i've done that because my ears were open because of the reading, my my ears were open, my eyes were open. But um it, it shows what I everything I thought was true and real just wasn't. And so I mean I think this leads oh, person. Right. So
0: what 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 are you suggesting that theory which is not based on a,
2: a practical reality is just theory. It doesn't make you rational. Well that's an interesting way of looking at it. Um because there is this interesting divide here mm. between theory and practice. You've got Marxists and anarchists working together here, mm. which is very impressive. Um, and the thing is, their practice, because Abdullah Archulain has transcended the problems we have in society to the dominant male. He calls it the dominant male. Obviously, this is a social contract which applies to women as well. But the dominant male, the dominance within us and so when when we're in practice in an organization whether it's civil diplomacy whether it's the army whether it's 3cr radio station um, the idea of dominating the other people in the organization is rejected here so the practice must be humble the practice must be that the friendliness is in the forefront of the mind the idea of coming to a meeting with ideas that you want other people to listen to this is this is part of domination and people don't do that here they genuinely come to meetings really just curious and excited that other people are there uh, they, they really don't impose their own, own ideas i mean ideas assemble out of these these very wonderful kind of um loving and relaxed people who are not insecure or egotistic so or at least their their insecurity and their egotism is so much lower than what i'm used to in in capitalism which of course accentuates egotism you know it makes it uh unreal the level of egotism but here um the the ideas assemble themselves and so there's very little dominance Which means that when there's a Marxist and an anarchist together, and both of those people usually have dominance problems, um, both of those theories, um, in practice, um, that it transcends those differences. And 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 then it's, I mean, obviously because of the rejection of domination, the dictatorship of the proletariat is rejected,
3: Hmm.
2: because. The people doing it would have to be dominant, arrogant and egotistical to actually say, I want legal control over this five million people. You can't do that without having concepts of dominance and arrogance in your mind. Um, So that's rejected on that basis. And the Marxists I meet are perfectly happy with that. You know, uh, they still call themselves Marxists, but they're perfectly happy with that. And as you know, there's no nation state yet. No, that's right. Um, It's a zone. It's an autonomous
0: region or a zone, Yep. You're listening to part of a 10-part series with the Civil Diplomacy Unit of the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria. We're having a conversation with Tekeson and... Uh, who is uh, a member of the Civil Diplomacy Unit. This is part of the 3CR Acting Up series. My name's Joseph Toscano, and the producer of this program is Kelly Whitworth. Now, let's get back. Um, so what other issues regarding coexistence exist? We've looked at culture, we've looked at the economy, and we really haven't we've kind of discussed religion on the side. Do religious forces have much power in the region or do they basically just go about their own
2: business and look after their flocks in inverted commas? Ah, It's an interesting question. Um, It's certainly going in... So there's the concept of political religion and cultural religion. Yes,
0: I understand it.
2: Yep. Uh, yeah, so uh, I won't go through it then because I think everyone probably understands it. ISIS was a political yep. um, uh, implementation of religion. The cultural religion um, can be very unharmful. I mean, huge numbers of my friends are Muslims. Um, the sheikhs represented a religious power and there are people who are still uh subordinate to them but very few now and getting less and less uh religion is moving fast towards culturally there are isis communities in al-hasica and you can walk through them um and the isis religion there is being practiced more culturally not always i mean there's still a bit of violence from them of course but um it, it's interesting. how And we have uh one of the things also the Civil Diplomacy Center is doing, of course, is democratic Islam. And we've had a lot of very, very wonderful um, panels with Muslims coming along and talking about democratic Islam, which, of course, is a step in the direction of Islam becoming something democratic, um, uh, much more... Um, because tra- in line yeah, with what is yeah, Because traditionally,
0: it's the democratic, and egalitarian aspects of Islam which have been so attractive to so many people around the globe. Yeah,
2: yeah, but, but it's that's
0: yeah, that yeah, and that's been lost obviously in the politicisation of Islam, where yeah, hierarchy sure. become because you know it's a very decentralised religion as far as the Sunni sects are concerned. Maybe a bit different yeah. with the Shia, but uh, there's always been that interest, and that's why so many untouchables in India have kind of uh, converted to Islam because actually there's a, there's yeah. a, way, a way out for them and their family. So it's interesting that you've you've come back to that tradition. So when people talk about democratic Islam, is is, is it a political philosophy, or are they actually looking at the um, Quran and, and and reinterpreting things the way they were maybe written in the, in the first? in the first stages?
2: I think it's the second one right? that you said there. Mm. The intentional interpretation. Because, um, of course, we all know that things can be interpreted in many
0: different
3: <clears throat> ways. ways. That's many, right. many
2: different yeah. ways. Yeah, um, yeah but, but they are genuinely going forward with that, the democratic... In, and when I... You know, on, a, on an emotional level, when I've been to those meetings, because I've been involved in them, they're really, really nice people you know and you've got this thing i when i work with a marxist i could say to them look you're not a marxist because technically there is no dictatorship of the proletariat here so stop saying you're a marxist because it's not true Mm. now i could say that but i don't because there's no need there's no need to say that i when i meet my muslim friends i could say look you're not a muslim Because in three places in the Quran, it clearly states that a woman is half the value of a man. Now if you don't believe that, you're not a Muslim. Now I could say that, but I don't. Because, uh, it's also, like I said, my ideas don't make rational sense either. I've been so wrong so many times, that I'm not. I'm not foolish enough to think my ideas make sense and the other person's are irrational, and then start being panicky at them and saying technically things. Not maintaining friendships, treating everyone as on a journey, and allowing them to interpret life and things in a positive way without attacking them, is is the way that harmony is maintained here. The friendship and the humility overrides any technical disagreements. Mm. Now, I mean, obviously, if if someone who calls themselves a Muslim then just uh, acts in a a very bad, immediately emotional way Mm. to uh, a woman, we do something about it. We'll talk to them. So, for example, we were driving the car. There was a motorbike in front of us. And every time there was... Uh, women walking in the road because everyone walks in the road here. There is no right of way for cars on the road. Everyone just walks directly in the traffic. The motorbike kept swinging in front of the the women who were walking, intimidating them. So we zoomed past and got out and we stopped them. It was a couple of young men. and But we didn't shout at them. We didn't tell them, you're wrong. We're going to take you in and, and have a talking to you. We tried to connect with them as friends and actually the result was very nice. You know, um, the idea being that with friendship, you can you can connect with someone on philosophy a lot better and their heart will be a lot more open. And that's that's why change here and change does need to happen here in in various areas. Um, But that's why this. Project is so interesting because it's very much more open to new ideas and change because
0: of the well, lower egos yeah well can can we clarify once again what areas do people think not you but what what areas do you know a significant proportion of that population think change needs to occur in why well, uh we we do ask that we do ask the big questions i 'm sorry <laughs> that's what we've, yeah that's why we 've got a ten part series at least uh
2: yeah <laughs> i mean
0: obviously obviously people think change is necessary well, otherwise they wouldn't have accepted the uh the friends as, as an integral part yeah, of community, sure. you know so there must be things they th- feel and they're working towards changing which they're not happy with
2: um We have to defend ourselves better. Mm. The people are frightened. The automated drones fly overhead all of the time. I've seen them, and they just kill people randomly. Um, The people are scared. So the friends, the SDF, the Syrian Defense Forces, they need to do a better job. They've done a fantastic job with what they have, but they need to do a better job of protecting the people and maintaining safety. Um, There is corruption. I mean, remember, as we said at the beginning, uh, you don't have a revolution and create a perfect society that remains perfect and then on. Indeed, the value of a revolution is, is its ability to handle the extreme variety that exists in any society. There's corruption in places. Um, of course, that happens because people are scared as well, but it also happens naturally. Uh, that needs to be um, dealt with slowly, carefully, made better. Um, there are people still begging on the streets. The wealth does need to re- be di- redistributed. There are an enormous amounts of groups springing up to do that. So for example, again, three months ago, everything's three months ago again for me because I can't remember when it was. So three months ago, um, I went to a little group that had built the website um, for one of the other groups and uh, we got in there. And something else was happening they had loads of orphans in there um, and they were teaching them to program computers now this this group just springs up goes and gets money from the commune and starts doing its stuff and taking orphans off the street and going to visit shaheed families families that have lost someone in war and caring for those people and these groups are continuously popping up to solve this thing um, but there are still people and children begging on the street and that needs to change. Mm. Um, you know, the facilities here are difficult. The water's not running all the time. At the moment, I don't have electricity. I'm running on battery. Uh The water is here half the time during the day. So you have to fill bottles up and stuff when it's not here. Um, there are all sorts of service infrastructure issues. Um stuff like that. But I mean, you know, of course any revolution, least of all Russia in nineteen seventeen, you know, mm. and all these places yeah, right, yeah. they get attacked so much as you know. I mean Winston Churchill dropped like a hundred thousand chemical weapon bombs on mm. Russia during its revolution. Mm. Something like this. Um, I think weapons, I think yeah, I think
0: I think we yeah. understand all those issues, but I'm looking more deeper, I'm looking at the actual cultural changes which people or people um. feel that, eco- feel need to be, need to be addressed. Is there, is there a kind of a feeling that certain things that are occurring, not just
2: economically, uh, need to be addressed? right sorry I see what you're saying now I was Mm. reporting more on the material things Mm. Um, it's very interesting so my insight into this question is limited because obviously I don't know everyone Um, although I personally have been very much more actively going into the communities and talking to people about their ideological thoughts and there's a huge variety what I can say is that um the people here have been through a lot, obviously, and when you've been through a lot, if no one's actually tried to shoot you today, then it's a really, really happy day. It's <laughs> a good day, um, um, a and so the progress—the yes. progress for the women—is by no means complete. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a huge amount of work to do there, but people are very, very happy about what's happened generally they're extremely positive about what has been achieved and the way that it's been achieved there's I very rarely see someone in society who is afraid that they're going to be put in prison because of their own ideology or what they're doing it doesn't seem to be the fear of the revolution or the fear of the friends that I I imagine must have been present in other revolutions Mm. um So actually, um, the the women that I talk to, who are still aware of enormous levels of sexism generally in the science society, know that huge changes have been made. And, um, yeah, they don't seem to be in so much of a rush. They're certainly not going to march down the street and protest. There's Mm. There's a huge amount of happiness with what's been achieved. Do you think, um, again,
0: talking about the older than you, do you you think that the Syrian regime basically sees the autonomous zone as a, um, a buffer between them and Turkey, and that's why they continue to let you exist, or do you think they're concerned that they don't actually have the forces to overrun the area?
2: So I've just received through sort of revolutionary news that Assad, the head of the Syrian regime, mm. is trying to make a deal with Putin at the moment. Now, this is unverified. It's come through friend of friend mm. through the revolutionary new structures. Yes. So this might need to be, um, should be verified by this. Is that he's trying to make a deal with Putin, that Putin provides the air bombing support for Assad to invade uh, Rojava and completely finished the revolution. Now that does need to be verified. Mm -hmm. Um, Assad before, again, this needs to be verified as well, has, uh, made statements that he will remove this revolution. Uh, I get the impression that he's very angry that someone has taken control of his country. Um, and he doesn't like that at all. This is the impression I get. Mm -hmm. So, um, no, we've got a definite enemy that wants to wipe us out. There, right, makes it uh,
0: very, very difficult for you. We're, we're so far away, exceptionally difficult. So, but you know, you you deal with these threats every day. Last week it was about the possibility of the Turks coming in. This week it's the Syrians, and you've got are your borders. Porous. Are refugees still flooding into the autonomous zone or have they been cut off, that that link's been cut off?
2: Well, you know, because we're a nation, not a nation state, mm. um, our attitude towards borders and the ownership of our citizens is completely different to a nation state. Yes. So, um, yes, they are porous. Basically, anyone goes in and out as they wish. Obviously, if they cross the border with a gun, then they 're going to need to justify what they're doing, mm. and the military will stop them and, and, and question them now, i'm, I'm
0: talking so. about are, are, they, are these regimes like Turkey and Syria and the, uh, the people um, down south are they actually trying to actively stop people coming into the area because obviously your biggest um, weapon is, is people you know people that want to come there because you 've got a good economy in comparison you 've got good security and you 've got good ideas.
2: Yeah, I mean, they do create a lot of problems on the borders. They create as many problems as they can. Mm. Certainly, I mean, there's corruption on the Syrian side, which means that they will arrest people and then try to extort money out of the family in order to release them. So they'll invent things. They'll Mm. just arrest people Mm. who have a legal right to be somewhere and Mm. try and take money. Mm. So there's a lot of corruption um, because Syria is suffering a lot under the regime as well. Um, interestingly enough, because we've got endless wheat fields um, and there are people starving in Damascus, uh, the friends here gave bread for free to Damascus and they made the statement that bread should not be political. So whilst, of course, they don't support the regime and the uh, poverty that the regime is causing to its own people, they still helped by um, handing them out free bread. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the borders are difficult. The most important border is our border with Bashur, which is to the west, uh, sorry, the east, which is Iraq. Um, <clears throat> and that's a critical border for us. Uh, it changes on a monthly basis as to whether we can bring people through it or not. Um, and indeed, it changes on a monthly basis as to whether I can actually leave. Mm. Um, not that I intend to, but um, it's kind of scary knowing that I can't leave. If I want to, it takes people like six months to get across that border. Sometimes, right. um, yeah. So that's that's tricky. That's tricky.
0: Look, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, what I like is that you're honest. You know, this isn't some type of propaganda session. You know, with the uh, but the fact that you, you, you're talking realistically about real problems in a, in a revolutionary situation and how. Yeah, people there are coping basically in the midst of one of the most most dangerous war zones on the planet. So, um, I mean, all we can do is offer our um, support, which isn't very much, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully through these sessions people begin to understand what's happening there. And I assume that's uh, one of the critical roles these civil diplo- diplomacy centres are now playing, getting your story out to the world and especially sympathetic parts of the world.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much uh, for keeping uh, keeping us informed, and uh, hopefully next week you'll still be there, and uh, we'll be able <laughs> we'll be able to talk to you about another another uh, important facet of, uh, of life in the autonomous administration of North and East Syria. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.